Visit LegalZoom.com to save on your legal needs like wills for $69, LLCs for $99 plus filing fees, and also get access to a network of legal plan attorneys for guidance. LegalZoom is not a law firm but provides self-help services at your specific direction. Enter discount code Allison for more savings at LegalZoom.com. That's discount code Allison. This is Corolla Digital. Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison. I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. And if you like what you're hearing, which, come on, let's face it, you do. Make sure to tell a friend. You can find us on iTunes, the app, or my site, AllisonRosen.com. Hello, my little s'mores-flavored candy corns. It's me, Allison. And if you're thinking there's no such thing as s'mores-flavored candy corns, you're wrong because I just had one and I am already regretting it. I just am. The candy corn flavor, it belongs with a candy corn, which basically is like saying if you're going to eat something, if you're going to eat a crayon, you want it to be candy corn flavored. You don't want it to be s'mores flavored, but I've already said too much. Anyway, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. The guest on this episode is the one and only Emily Gordon. But before we officially start, I just wanted to say a few things and have a little chat with you and also have a chat with Gary. Hello, Gary. Hey, Allison. There are two reasons why now is the perfect time to start your business. Number one, the economy is picking up, and the longer you wait, the longer you delay your potential success. And number two, right now, you can incorporate your business or form an LLC at LegalZoom.com for just $99. Gary, did you see that someone created a Twitter for Gary Sneezes LLC? No way. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, this is something that... Uh, We were talking about on a different episode that that's the LLC that Gary's going to form because he sneezes like 13 sneezes at a time. Oh, that's great. I've been been away from Twitter all weekend. That's awesome. You need to check it out. It's a funny little little image too. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. LegalZoom's online process guides you step by step and you get total customer support. LegalZoom provides self-help services at your specific direction and can connect you to an attorney, but they're not a law firm, so you save a pile of money. And you get an extra discount when you enter Allison in the referral box at checkout. So don't put this off for incorporation, trademarks, patents, and more. Just go to LegalZoom.com right now and use the discount code Allison. That's LegalZoom.com, discount code Allison. All right, let's do the iTunes comment of the week. Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments. And don't forget to click five stars. All right, this week's uh, iTunes comment of the week comes from Kevo McButter, which is funny for any numerous reasons, uh, and it is titled Needle Nose Pliers. Your recent Just Me or Everyone about chicks using tweezers made me feel a bit more normal about keeping a pair of needle nose pliers in my truck and car and by my lazy boy. I'm a bit obsessive about plucking rogue nose hairs. I am most obsessed about ear hair. I'm 39 and I know it's probably going to start soon, so every day I make a few passes in each ear just to make sure there are no sprouts. Thanks. Doesn't that sound dangerous to take a few passes at your ear canal with needle nose pliers? It's a bold move. So Kevo McButter is referring to just me or everyone on the show where someone wrote in and said that she keeps a pair of tweezers in her car because there's good light when you're driving. and Or maybe I'm just adding that. I forget exactly no. why. It was, it was no, good light. it was light. about good light. You never it know is, when good light's going to strike. Exactly. And also, because Jenna and I were talking about how you can be driving and all of a sudden you look in the mirror and you're like, holy shit, there's a hair growing out of the bottom of my chin. I must get this now before anyone sees it um, and such. And so I guess 
By the way, if you're thinking that's disgusting, women don't have that. No, we do. That's the thing. We remove it. I think every woman has one hair that grows out of the bottom of her chin. I realize. I realize that any attraction you might have had toward me or my hairless chin. I mean, it's just one. And it. Anyway, I'm moving on. What I'm saying is needle nose pliers. That's like a. I guess it's a real man's way to tweeze your hairs. But it just seems. I feel like I'd catch my chin in it. Or I'd catch something. I just feel like they're – and I mean I guess this is true of tweezers too. But they're particularly pointed and I would be afraid that I would sneeze while trying to go out my ear and kill myself. <laughs> I think that goes into – that That was – also we had that conversation about how dangerous it can be to sneeze. That's why oh, you yeah. need Gary Sneezes LLC. There you go. Through LegalZoom. <laughs> exactly. But – but, well, thank you, Kevo McButter. Thank you for sharing that with us. Speaking of hair removal, I want to tell you guys about the No-No. Um, this is a hair removal product, which, unlike needle nose pliers or tweezers, you can't hurt yourself with. I mean, probably unless you try really hard. But it's not you're not going to all of a sudden grab something accidentally. Um, so the No-No is this device, and it is about the size of a cell phone. Not an iPhone, but remember those uh, the, the older, smaller blockier cell phones. What I'm saying is it's small and it's light. Uh, And unlike expensive solutions like waxing or electrolysis or laser treatments, which take forever and are super expensive and are painful, this is painless and it is inexpensive. It works on all skin types and skin colors and it is effective on both women and men. So never shave, pluck, or wax again. You can use it on your legs, underarms, face, and bikini line. And I've said it before, but I will say it again because I am a chicken. I was a little bit afraid to use it the first time because I thought, here's this thing that I am, uh, you know, putting right on my body and it's supposed to zap the hair and that sounds painful, but I did it and I felt triumphant afterwards because it removed the hair and it didn't hurt at all. It truly was painless. You guys can get the no-no. You can get it by going to nonobestfriend.com or you can call 800-508-4815. Again, that's nonobestfriend.com or 800-508-4815. Get the remarkable no-no device plus a free travel case, free facial kit to help remove facial hair, $100 discount shopping card, and triple money-back guarantee. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll refund the purchase price, refund the shipping, and even pay for you to ship it back to them. You risk nothing. So go to nonobestfriend.com or call 800-508-4815. Okay, here is the episode with Emily Gordon. Thank you for listening. I love you. Here we go. Hey everyone, hi, hello, it is me, Allison Rosen, and welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I am sitting here, I'm excited to be sitting here with Emily Gordon, co-host of the Indoor Kids podcast and wife of Kumail Nanjiani. Okay, a new thing that's been happening to me, as I say someone's last name, I have this panic of like, oh shit, is that really their last name? Totally, yeah, you nailed it, Gordon. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. Yeah. I don't know why that's happening increasingly, though. <laughs> I worry that's some kind of side or 
some kind of sign of early um, dementia. And that's also one of those things that the more you think about it, then the more you think it's happening. Like, yes. <laughs> like when a word completely loses meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Or like when you think you've left the oven on or like a, or like a straightening iron on and then you know you didn't. Right. But the more you, you're like, right, am I sure that I didn't? Yeah. Like maybe I'm not sure. And then I just start sweating. It's, it's great. <laughs> one time I really did leave the straightening iron on. What happened? Nothing. See, that's the other part. <laughs> I know. Because it just sat in its little felt yeah. holder thing. It's not going to kill you. I know. Maybe. Probably. Well, stylists leave um, their appliances on all day long and they seem sure. fine. But they're there. Yeah. That's always my thing is like, I'll be the one. And it's not even that I'm worried about my stuff. I'm just like, that'd be so upsetting for my cat. Like, to yeah. be like, really? You left and now the house is on fire? <laughs> How am I going to get out of here? Right. I can't get out of here. See, in the course... Of you saying that, I suddenly <laughs> remembered that I um, I made hard-boiled eggs. The whole house smells like farts, oh, by the way. Oh, terrible and I don't, smell. I don't, and when I say that, I feel people think I'm saying I'm farting, farting no. up a storm. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the eggs themselves. The natural smell. Yeah. Yeah, smell yeah. like farts. So I did that, and for and but like the water was taking forever to boil, and I didn't want to watch the pot because you know what happens if you do that. So yeah. I, left, I left it unattended, and I was like, I hope I don't forget. And I know I turned it off. You know you did. But for a second, like, even though it was days ago, I'm like, yeah, yeah maybe it's still sitting days there. Boil- it's, it was days ago. <laughs> I even sitting there you know, cooled the eggs off and wrote H on them. I don't know if everyone does that or just my family. Wait. Oh, hard-boiled? Yeah, I wrote H so that – because then I put them you back put them into back the carton. In. Well, then you kind of need to. Yeah. I just have never – I put them in a separate bowl in the fridge. That's smart. I wondered if I should have done that. No, I like the H. I think that's kind of cool. Sharpie or regular pen? Pencil. Ooh. I almost did it. I almost did it with a gel ink pen <laughs> so that no one could forge my H. And then I thought – I imagined blue getting all over my hand and I imagined looking down and wondering how that got there. Yeah. And, you know. And then that spirals into a whole nother thing. Exactly. Although that's, that's some fun you can have just for yourself. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, <laughs> let's see. So much to get into with you. Okay. So let's just start right here at the grossest part. Ooh. I was listening to the most recent episode of the Indoor Kids mm-hmm. podcast, and you mentioned someone who talked about, I don't know if this person had gone to Burning Man or not, but like leaving a tampon in <laughs> and having sex with the tampon in, which is so uncomfortable sounding and thinking the tampon was in her uterus. Yeah. And my reaction to that, I'm sorry, Gary. The, he doesn't he doesn't appreciate the tampon. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> my reaction to that was I don't think that's possible. I don't think it's possible either. And actually, it was our guest who was, I think it was Devin. I think it was our guest Devin who said that a friend of his uh, went to Burning Man, um, ha- was on her period, which because my thought was, why go to Burning Man when you're on your period? I think you yes. should skip it. Skip it for the year. There's nothing you can, like, that's a why, nightmare. I mean, why go to Burning Man? All, first, first, why go to Burning Man? Second off, why go with a tampon and right. you, that when you know there's not really going to be any that ability to change it? or awful. Yeah. Uh, so this, uh, our friend was saying that his friend, uh, had sex with a tampon inside of her, and then it just kept getting shoved sh- up, up, and up, and up Ugh. until it went into the uterus. I don't think that's possible either because that's an opening that does not open unless you're having a baby. Right. Right? Yes. So I don't think I don't think it's possible. I mean, that's classic tampon brochure yeah, <laughs> literature. Classic. You can't push it too far. That's but classic then- urban legend <laughs> also, too, that like, oh, I pushed it too far. Right. And then didn't Kumail ask if it gets bigger every time she has sex, which I thought was very funny. But I mean, and then I started to think, well, I mean, the cer- there is a tiny opening at the end of the cervix. Yeah, that's true. And maybe with enough force. But I really don't think so, because I think 
the whole thing is like when you get an IUD or anything like that, you have to have a doctor really yeah. guide that it's shit. It's not really a two way street as much as right. we might. And as, as big as you might think your dicks are, dudes, you're not, <laughs> that's not, they can't be that big. Like they can't do that. Right. You, not, yeah. Someone's not dick can't enter your uterus. <laughs> no. And just be like, oh, I don't even know where the fallopian tubes, I don't even know where it ended up going. Where would it go if it went into the cervix? Just into the uterus. You literally would just be where the baby hangs out. Right. That's No, that's not going to happen. It could actually cause an abortion if that could happen. Oh, but don't tell guys that. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I like talking about tampon stuff with guys lately because it never occurred to me how little they know. Yes, this was actually something that came up on your podcast and I was thinking, you're so right. Yeah. Let's Let's traumatize Gary. Oh, I, I like that idea. Although he might know. You yeah. ask ask him your question. <clears throat> okay, so this is a question that uh, not even my idea, but that I've been uh, you ask. It's fun to, fun to ask for ladies it's like to a ask at parties. Parlor game, yeah, it's a good party game. <laughs> this is going to go well. How long do you think women should leave tampons in? Aren't you supposed to change them once a day? Interesting answer. Pretty close. Pretty close. Warm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Warm. <laughs> <laughs> once in the morning. Once at night. <laughs> uh, it's technically like what six six eight hours okay. is, is the uh, the standard, and uh, a, a lot of guys will say either every time uh, you pee, which is uh, Somet- uh, sometimes that's sometimes it's oh inevitable. wait no not yeah sometimes I won't and then like a minute later I'll be like Ugh, I, I kind of wish to. I yeah. Would. yeah 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 um, but overall a, a lot of men were like oh several days you use one per uh, one per episode. <laughs> In which case, that box would last you so long. So long, yeah. But no, it's about six to eight hours. So you're about right. That's about right. Um, but I just find it's it's great. Men don't know anything about mm-hmm. about not just the period, but just about tampons and like the fact that none of us use pads. I don't know if men think that women – none of us do, right? I hope not because yeah. for the longest time, that was my secret shame that Ooh, I absolutely it? would never use a pad and I found them awful. That's and I was a shame. <laughs> for, for me, it was for a long time though because my mom would use panty liners sometimes. Yeah. So I would be, you know, having accidents and staining underwear and I would carry an extra pair of underwear with me sometimes. Yeah, this is in the early period days because I just – I could not stand the sensation of a pad, which I still can't. I don't see how – it's like sitting on a pillow. It's like not – It's like feels like someone is touching you right there (laughs) and not in a positive way. It feels like a a man of – a man of the – not the cloth, but a man of cloth. Yeah, a man (laughs) – it feels like the Pillsbury Doughboy is sitting like somewhere in between your butt and your vagina. It's kind of not – it is very uncomfortable. And it's also not the most – And it makes your underwear bunch up because there's that adhesive thing. Yeah. For people who don't know, we're both both leaning back and like waving our arms around and going, ew. Just so gross. Even wings – fuck your wings. Get out of here. Well, you know who can do wings? I Hmm. feel like – Probably the people who are so skinny that their thighs are like miles apart to begin with, <laughs> because if you if your if your entire body doesn't touch itself, that's true. Then you, you don't have you, any you friction. Even know. Yeah, but for a normal person or someone like me who's maybe got a little extra <laughs> thigh meat happening, <laughs> then it's just uncomfortable. It's it is uncomfortable. But I think yeah. I would like to think it's uncomfortable for everyone. I bet it is. Yeah. I mean, would they also get that on top of not having any of their body parts touched? Right. They also get to wear pads and have it be fine? I don't think so. Right. I actually had an experience. I was in the airport bathroom. Uh, we were going to Portland. I went to Portland and Seattle recently with the Adam Carolla show. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, listeners, just like, Two more minutes of period stuff, and then we will move on. Damn it. 
Oh, we could do more. Tam could definitely talk. talk. <laughs> Tamp talk. Oh, I like that. Um, so, and I was actually worried I was going to have my period on that weekend. Oh, and yeah. we, I knew we were going to be driving from Portland from, to Seattle. I just did that this past us, weekend. Yeah. All of us in a van. And I was like, because the six to eight hours thing, yeah, ideally, but mm-hmm. the older I get, the more it's like every hour on the hour. And yeah. sometimes I can't even leave the house. And what, what the hell is going on? That's been my experience. So you have a heavier flow these days. It's gotten heavier. Okay, maybe that is happening with me too. That might be that might be true. Well, I started talking about it on the show and then some women wrote in and said that, that happened to them as they got older too, which is awful. Yeah, that so it I should go the other way. It should. What am I I should be running out at this point. It's been years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> maybe it's like it's like revving up for its last gasp. <laughs> oh, no. So anyway, thank God that didn't happen, though, because I was thinking, I don't know how I'm going to deal with having to inform Adam, who likes to get places fast, that we're going to need to make multiple stops, multiple stops or I'm yeah. going to have a mess in the van. But that didn't happen. But anyway, was in the airport bathroom. And you know that little men might not, uh, many men might not realize that when you're in a public restroom, there's a little metal receptacle in the door, mm-hmm. which I guess is for throwing your lady business. So you don't flush it. That's yes. what they don't want you to do. Right. Yeah. What are you going to hold in your hand to get out of the thing? And go, <laughs> no one's going to do that either. So they put a tiny little trash can in there. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of like lifting the lid is kind of gross because you never know. Everybody's. Just, yeah. Although somehow they usually somehow have like a tiny little bag that fits right in there as if it was made for it. And I don't know where you purchased that. But it was broken. The The partition between it was broken. And I didn't realize this. The receptacle on your side of the bathroom stall is is the same one as on the other side. There's just a in partition. In another stall? Yes. It's just one big squ- – it's like there's I, – I think there's a cutout in yeah. the, the little bathroom stall divider. Oh, and, and they then just put oh. – Yes. So I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I see this <laughs> bloody pad heading for me because there's like no covering on the outside of it. I'm like, oh my god. I, I, what did you do? I just no. looked at it and thought, <gasps> so weird. You also had your, you I had, saw a hand and a bloody oh pad heading gosh. for my side of the bathroom. And I thought someone in here still uses pads. Oh, and, a and B, they're coming for me. Yeah. I mean, thankfully it didn't head very far, but it was a really weird experience. Do you speak out in a situation like that or something? Mm. I don't talk. I don't no. like talking in a bathroom. No, I don't like when girls like to have conversations when I'm on a toilet. I don't either. Yeah. I mean, I don't even like to ask for toilet paper, but I will. Mm-hmm. But if someone asks me for toilet paper, I pride myself on being that person who gives them a lot <laughs> because I feel like that. Like you're a jerk if you give them two squares. Yes, because for me that wouldn't be enough. No, for no no one. That's not enough for anyone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. Glad we got that. Uh, me too. Uh, one more thing. Yes. Because I've been dying to share this <laughs> with all the listeners. <laughs> Tam talk. Yeah. <laughs> I have recently, this is this is huge for me, recently made a discovery. I spent my entire life using OBs. Uh-huh. And good. Great, great, great products. They are great and they're portable and you know where it is. Mm-hmm. It's easy to place. Um Preferably in the vaginal canal. That's where it should go. And OBs are the ones that don't have the uh, applicator. applicator. They're yeah. just so tiny. They're like little tiny bullets. Right. Exactly. They're like a new kind of feminine protection. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Shooting your so mom's was... chances of having a grandchild. <laughs> <laughs> but I was having aforementioned problem of like, wow, my flow is insane. So I recently switched on certain days to Tampax. And I find they work much the the Tampax Whoa. pearl that have that yeah, yeah, yeah. braid oh, thing that yeah. yeah it works so much better i i really realized this very late somehow so you, it catches it all better <laughs> for me at least 
So you were you were very brand loyal to yeah. OB. Oh Fire yes. Okay. So much so that it was kind of um, traumatic for me if I was ever out and I needed a tampon and someone gave me, you know, like Something generic, else. yeah, like the ones that you would buy, the, <laughs> the generic tampon. The kind that come in a, in a toilet paper tube for some reason. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how to use this. Yeah, they're very upsetting. And once you start, it's hard to stop. I don't mean like Pringles. I just mean if you try, I'm so sorry, Gary, and other people who oh, are Gary like-minded. But once you, like, once you get that thing in and, and then you have, to, you have to take it out, it's... It's like a desert in there, you know? <laughs> you can hear the scraping sound. <laughs> uh, it's uncomfortable. Oh, I've never been that brand loyal to any anything, let alone tampons. So I'll use whatever. But really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who taught you? Uh, who did? God, I've not even thought about this. I don't think anyone did. Because I didn't, I was taught to use pads this, you know, way back in the day. Mm -hmm. And then I think it was like a girlfriend was like, just like a commercial or out of it, like, no, that's stupid. You should try these. You can still go swimming. Yeah, you can still go swimming and you're (laughs) still a virgin. (laughs) You're like, oh, great. Uh, And I think I kind of just slowly taught myself. And there's a lot of terror there that you have somehow broken yourself or put them in the wrong place. Yes. But uh, it, it, no, I think I did it myself. And I think I maybe talked to my older sister about it, but no one like guided me. Right. that think that that happens. Did that happen to you? No, yeah. no. My mom gave me a couple books, like okay. Our Bodies Ourselves. Yeah, but not. It wasn't that one. It was like one in that series. Yeah, and some other book, and then um, kind of left me to my own devices. Yeah, my parents were very talkative about sex, but not so much about like period I, periods. I also got my period on Christmas Day. Oh, for the first time. How old were you? I was like probably eleven. Maybe were you? happy to get it or were you bummed or do I was kind of bummed that it happened that day just because I was like oh, come on like my parents did a great job of being like you're a woman now let's have a pizza party that kind of a thing <laughs> but uh, I, at the same time I was like it's Christmas day what are we doing here why is yeah. this happening today and it, your period feels like such a huge deal and you're like you have to like take a day off when you're like a kid and then now it's like Come on, grow up. It's fine. You're going to be fine. Just keep moving. Right. You're going to be totally fine. Like I have a I have a cousin who's young who she has to stay home from school on her and I'm like, "No, you don't really need to do that, do you?" Probably not, but I did do that sometimes. Did you? Yes, because I hadn't I what I refused to wear a pad and I was having trouble with tampons, I think. I don't know. I oh, just Oh, so you did it more for like actual, not like cramping. Well, I also had cramps, but yes. no, at that point it wasn't yet. No, yeah. it wasn't because of that. It was because I actually literally am going to need to spend most of the day in the toilet because I haven't found a solution <laughs> yet. <Poor thing. laughs> Pretty awful. How do you write a note for that, you know? Like, I know. <laughs> and my mom was just kind of like, yeah. why can't you get your shit yeah, together? I'm just perioding way too hard right now. <laughs> yes. Um, listeners, excuse me. I'm having some kind of allergy attack and that's why I sound all sniffly. Uh so, okay, so you said that – wait, so wait, let's go back. Where did you grow up? I grew up in North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. And you said your parents talked about sex a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way that was positive? Oh, sure, yeah. They're very – like, they're uh, they're both very uh, – and they're going to be embarrassed, but they're both, like, you know, they've always been, like, sexually active and very, like, not gross and creepy, but just like, this is our alone time and you'll have it someday too, but get out of our way when we're <laughs> having it kind of a thing. And uh, they would have the talk with us like on a on a near constant basis. Like they were very, uh, very good about like constantly talking to us about it. So we didn't feel super weird about it. So then consequently, I turned around and taught some of my friends about sex because their parents weren't saying anything to them. <laughs> yeah. And what do your parents do? They both worked at a cigarette company. 
their entire lives because I'm from a, like basically a cigarette town. Mm-hmm. So that was always weird uh, because they cigarettes bad for you, sure, but they paid for literally everything in my life, and so my parents would be very. Uh, adamant. They didn't want me to smoke, but they also wanted me to know that smoking is fine. Like, <laughs> it was like this very like cognitive. Smoking dissonance. is fine, and and then when they both quit smoking, they were like, "Smoking is bad for us, but it's not bad to do. But also, you probably shouldn't do it." <laughs> it was a, and I, I appreciate that they walked a very fine line. But because of that, and I, the only way I had to rebel was to not smoke. So I never smoked. I've never smoked. <laughs> You've cigarettes. never, I never ever have had one. Wow. Well, I've probably, I'm sure. Someone's given me one, and I'd be like, "Ha isn't this funny?" But no, not really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have an older sister. Mm-hmm. Do you have other siblings? No, just one older sister, three years older. You were you were, or you are a therapist, right? Um, I well, technically, I guess I'll always be a therapist, <laughs> but I'm not practicing. I don't see clients at this point. It's been about maybe three years since I've seen clients. Mm-hmm. And how long did you practice for? Uh, about seven years. Wow. Yeah. So, t- so fill me in. On, okay, here's a big <laughs> here's a big bunch of questions coming at you. <laughs> What was high school like mm-hmm. and then what was college like and how did you, you know, go in, in the therapy direction and what was it like and how come you stopped? Wow. Okay. <laughs> so high school, I was a very, very rebellious, uh, very bad kid. Uh, it was like With a, all your non-smoking? Uh, despite my non-smoking, <laughs> I did everything else I possibly could. So I was like a goth kid. Uh, and I was very angry, mostly angry with myself, like super self-hatey and just projected that out to everyone. So I was like a very bad kid. What do you think the self-hatred was oh, about? Oh, I know what it was about. Okay. Uh, I was very – I had a lot of body image stuff I think uh, growing up. I was definitely – I was an overweight kid and I started out just being taller than everyone else and then that made me so uncomfortable to be like towering over everyone that then I just started like – like punishing myself as much as I could. So then I put on weight and then I was uh, just like super, super angry all the time. Uh, at, but it was really just me being mad at myself and kind of hating how I looked. Were you – like how overweight were you? Um, I would say at my heaviest I was probably about 70 pounds heavier than I am now. Uh, and we're talking about as like a teenager. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so that was – and it never – like it, I had friends. I still – because when you're – this is a good tip. If you're uh, like a – if you're an overweight girl, uh, be like into good music and know about good music <laughs> and you'll still get laid. <laughs> you'll be uh, fine. <laughs> that didn't work for me. It didn't work? No, because I was overweight and I wrote about music and uh, it still – you didn't get no, no, no boy. I mean, later, yeah, later there were. Well, yeah, like teenage but years. In the, in the, oh, you know what? Maybe I wasn't into good music yet in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that happened in college, but no, it was. It wasn't until my junior year of college that yeah. I slept with anyone. Um, I don't know. I mean, at that it's per, there. Perhaps there were people that I could have though. Maybe before that, I'm sure there were. Because I. Yeah, I feel like I had like pink hair and like wore combat boots and like I was like had this whole like image and so that uh, I I credit that completely with me having boyfriends whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But uh, and I you know I say all this, but I had like a great like I loved I didn't love high school, but like I had good friends and I had like a very supportive whatever. Um, but that kind of shaped being like that and being that angry and understanding angry that much and being hatred like self-hatred really really helped me when I did decide to become a therapist Uh, because once I hit college I kind of like evened out a bit Mm -hmm. um, and I started kind of getting into psychology and getting into like where'd you you go to college I went to school at UNC Greensboro in uh, in North Carolina and I also went to grad school there weirdly enough 
Um, could not get enough, and then I had to leave, <laughs> and then it was time to go. Um, but yeah, I, I by the time I got to college, I kind of understood myself a bit more, and then I just I was always really, really fascinated with mental illness, with like the relationships between people more so than each individual person, like that thing that exists between them. I just think that's the most interesting thing I can like the most interesting thing. So can I, I tell you an embarrassing aside? I would love it. So um, my favorite show to this day, Facts of Life. And I, in a way, I almost would write fan fiction in my head because I, one of the things I like to think about was I would imagine the four girls and then I would figure out like, what really is, now if Tootie and Blair went out, how would they get along? And because Natalie and Tootie are good friends and then Blair and Joe are kind of enemies, but then later, and I would like mix and match the four of them all the time to figure out what was the dynamic between them. I did stuff like that too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like shows, TV shows are better about doing that now, like actually making those people, because when you see a group of people on TV, and I think Seinfeld did this once, like... Uh, Elaine and, and George had to hang out together without Jerry and they yeah. were like lost. Right. And it's like it's true because they've never hung out. Like you can't even imagine them being friends. They just need Jerry. Without Jerry, they don't have anything. And that kind of stuff always fascinates mm-hmm. me. Um, so I went through college and then just ended up going straight through grad school after that as well. And so you got your I have a master's in couples and family therapy, mm-hmm. which I think may still be called marriage and family therapy. But I think at some point they changed the name, which is good. More inclusive. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. yeah. And so then you practiced for, you said, seven years? Seven years. I started out working in a, um, a wilderness program for teenage boys in North Carolina. And then I, I worked. Is that like an outward bound kind of thing? They were there for a year, for like a oh, full wow. year. So, and it was much more intense. It was like a main campus. And then in a mile in every direction, there was a camp that the kids had to like build themselves. And they would be there for like a full year. They would go to school there. They'd like do everything there. And uh, I was in the main campus as their therapist, basically. Um, and that was, an, that was a great job. It was very intense, but it was a great job. Were these troubled kids? Incredibly unquote? troubled. Okay. This was like one step uh, before they were going to go to training school, which is like jail for kids, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, they were great, great boys, but they were very, very troubled. And then after that, I worked uh, with suicidal clients. Um, <laughs> my job after that was that I, would, I worked in a company that – our job was to have therapists on hand on the phone so that if someone at your work was suicidal, your supervisor would call us and just put you on the phone with us, which was not an easy thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. You have to assess how suicidal they actually are. You have to – it's like a whole – it was a that whole sounds thing. sounds really harrowing. And not like at all fulfilling because you never get to see the person. That was kind of a rough job. Did you feel like you were effective? It's, yeah, sometimes. Absolutely. And then a lot of times they just – a lot of times you find out that people are just doing it because they're having a bad day and they want to, like, get out and they think they'll yeah. be able to get out of work from it. Um, and then after that, I worked in a home for 270 people with schizophrenia in wow. Chicago. And then after that, uh, and that was an amazing job. And then after that, I just I went into, like, uh, running a private practice, a small private practice, and then I just left entirely. <laughs> what was the experience with schizophrenics like? Uh, that was also – that's one of the reasons. I think I started burning out during that time um, because – I loved working with really intense patients, but uh, it's you just it's exhausting. Like it just takes everything from you. That was great. Um, they were all there because they had nowhere, literally nowhere else to be. It was like it was either this or being homeless, and uh, they were not technically <laughs> they weren't required. Like they weren't kept there by any law or anything. But they also knew that it was like not great for them to be out on the street. So some of them that were high functioning enough could go out on the street and kind of like buy something from the the like a lottery ticket, which mm-hmm. they loved. Some of them would go out and get tattoos when they got their check from the government. And I'm like, 
when you see that guy coming, you should know, like, maybe don't give this guy a right. tattoo, but they would do it. Uh, I wonder what they asked for. <laughs> was, it was usually, like, a lot of snakes and a lot of, um, like, skulls and stuff, like, pretty classic tattoo stuff. Um, what's interesting about the people I worked with, they were all, like, in their 40s, I would say. And so all of them had developed schizophrenia when they were in their 20s. And at that point, that was, like, what, mid, mid-80s? mid mm-hmm. And so all of them were kind of culturally stuck in the 80s, which was really <laughs> cool uh it was also kind of weird but it was also really really cool like they loved prince and they loved purple rain and they loved like they loved uh god the bangles yeah they, exactly <laughs> like everything they the, all their favorite things were the things that were there when when they last remember kind of having touch with reality rea- reality oh, that's in a lot so of ways. Interesting. yeah so the um I would bring in Purple Rain. That was like – because I love Prince more than anything. So I would always bring in Purple Rain like when we had a day to like do nothing. Uh, and we would just all watch Purple Rain together. And that was the best. <laughs> uh, it was a great It was a great job. But it was like – it was just way, way too intense. Did you mm-hmm. receive any kind of training on how or, – or rather is there training on how to not take it home with you? Yeah. You take a lot of classes uh, specifically on how – at least my program. I went to a great program on how to like leave it at the door, how to and, – and as much as you can do – you can do it as much as you can try to do it. But it, it always does kind of come with you eventually mm-hmm. and it builds up. But I had like these very specific rituals and I'm kind of a ritual weirdo anyway – when you leave work, you you wash your hands very specifically in like a very intense fashion at the end of a day. And you're like, that's you washing off the day. And once you go home, you have to not think about these people, even if and it's such a fine line because you do care. You absolutely care what happens to them. But you can't give everything you have to these people because then you'll have nothing left to help them tomorrow. Mm-hmm. If you give everything you have today, you got nothing tomorrow. Uh, and so you just have to have like this very... And and consequently, when I talk to my friends now and they tell me something kind of fucked up, I'm like, oh, that's a shame. Anyway, like, <laughs> I kind of like I'm a little desensitized to hearing traumatic stuff because for so long it was like, OK, hear it, keep moving, hear it, process, keep moving. And, and it's hard to like go back yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So then you so then you you did your own private practice. Not it wasn't even my private practice. I ran someone else's private practice just to see if that was something I kind of wanted because I was already feeling a little burnt out and mm-hmm. I was like, well, let me try being administrator and see if that kind of helps. Um, but then it, it it didn't really. I just was still kind of exhausted. Yeah. Was that a hard decision to leave? Yeah, it was really hard because my whole identity was built. I'd gotten a graduate degree in this. Like my yeah. whole life was built around like this is going to be who I am forever. And I, I thought I was pretty good at it and I loved doing it but I at some point you know and when Kamal was on your podcast he talked about how I had like this illness and I got really really sick and I think that was a big part of it too of being like oh wow I only really have a little bit like nobody's guaranteed anything um and I have to either can I am I doing this the rest of my life is this really what my life's going to (laughs) be I just tried to squeeze to to squelch a sneeze and it worked actually it was really cute actually Uh, so yeah I I, that was part of it too was like I need to really take care of myself a lot more than I have been and part of that was was making a decision to not practice anymore Mm -hmm. um yes so can you tell me about the you ended up in a coma, right? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? And I'm sure you've told us before. Yeah, no, no, but not yeah. to me. So. Yeah, sure. Um, I just was really, really sick. I I kept getting like a flu that then would progress to pneumonia. I had had pneumonia. I'm doing quotes mm-hmm. um, like four times in my 20s, which is not something that someone in their 20s should have. And I just kept getting worse and worse. Uh, and I and I just couldn't get a handle on it. And I 
I also have like this thing where I don't like people seeing when I'm weak and I don't like people seeing when I'm sick. So I was faking like I was still going to the gym for God's sakes. Like I was like a mess. Uh, and I was dating Kumail at the time and I, he would be like, <laughs> he had no idea what was really how sick I was. He just had no idea because I was keeping it from him. Um, and then uh, it just kept getting worse. And they were like, well, your heart rate's going. I think you're having panic attacks. And I was like, I'm a therapist. I swear to you. I know what panic attacks are. This is not what it is. They were giving me Xanax. They were giving me antibiotics, all this stuff. They, like <clears> the <throat> doctor you were doctor. seeing to treat the yeah. pneumonia. Uh, who had no, I mean, he was great. He just, what are you going to do? And then I finally was, my breathing was so labored that I passed out at the doctor's office. And they were like, we should probably put you in the hospital. We don't know what's going on with you anymore. Wow. Um, and then... That's convenient timing. Right? That I was at the doctor? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, they kept – I was getting <clears throat> x-rays taken and he was like, take a deep breath. And I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know if you've ever passed out, but you had get that tunnel vision. Yeah. yeah no, I've ha- I'm trying to think if I've ever – I I actually have a thing where when I see blood sometimes, mm-hmm. I will have that. So, yeah, I don't know that I've actually ever fully passed out from that, but I totally know that feeling. Yeah, it's like I was like, oh, I could feel it going. I was yeah. like, it's going to be real bad, but okay, got to do what I got to <laughs> do. And then and then I was just sitting down and holding a Coca-Cola next thing I knew. Um, and so they admitted me to the hospital, and then by that night, my my – Breathing and my heart rate was so unstable that they had no choice but to uh, intubate me. Um, and the last thing I remember was Kumail like guiding my hand to sign the paperwork because he wasn't. We weren't married at the time, mm-hmm. and and then that was it. So, uh, and it turns out I just have this very uh, like intense but very treatable disease where you get arthritis in your organs uh, as well as in your joints. And uh, arthritis is <clears throat> it's like is an it? inflammatory uh-huh. condition. So basically, all of my organs were inflamed because they thought they were they had arthritis, oh, and wow. all of them. Had gotten so inflamed that they were shutting down. Um, and once they figured out what was going on with me, awesome, great. I came out of it very, very quickly and then got better very quickly. But until then, it was because just, they were they were giving you medication that was treating it. Yeah, there's it's really really easy to treat. They just had no idea what it was. Like this thing's been on house. It's a very uh, it's a very very rare disease. So once they figured that out, totally great. But up until then, it was like every day was like, oh she's got leukemia, oh she's got uh, AIDS today, oh she might have been scratched by a cat, and has Lyme disease. Like, but you were not privy to. Any oh, that I was not privy were... to a single bit of it. <laughs> I was night night. Yeah. <laughs> How long were you in a coma? Um, I think it was. It goes between 10 and 12 days. I think it was 10 technically, but there's one day on either side that I have no memory of whatsoever. When when they brought me out of it, I couldn't. One of the first things I did was that I ate some crushed ice because they wouldn't let me eat food. And I was convinced that they all had flavors, like all the different <laughs> ice. And I kept calling my best friend over and being like, taste this. Taste it. I know it tastes like lemons. And she was like... Oh, man. <laughs> you are nuts right now. And I kept ripping out um, oh. my – they had to tie me down while I was under it because I kept waking up and ripping out the respirator. Because the thing about a respirator is that it's the most traumatic thing that could ever be in your body. Like, to have something, yeah, yeah shoved down your throat. Shoved down your throat. You have, so every night I would wake up and I would I would just yank it out. So they had to tie me down. Um, and that was the other thing that when I did wake up, I couldn't figure out why I was tied down. And I was really confused. Um, so that part was really fun. <laughs> There's almost some iron, irony is the wrong word, but a weird sort of literary something or other that you had worked in a schizophrenic ward <laughs> exactly. and here you are tied down yeah. in a hospital. One of the most helpful things, my dad, when I woke up, one, and one of the first things I remember is that he came over and he was like, you're not crazy. You're not, an, like, <laughs> you're nice. you're sick, but you're not crazy. I promise you that. And I was like, okay, good. Because I was like, Is that something nothing. you worried about or he just knew that your he- brain might go there? There's a lot of mental illness in my family. So I'm sure, I think there was part of me that was like, oh, something has happened. Like, my brain is broken and I wasn't even aware of it. Because that's, I think that's the scariest 
scariest thing about mental illness is like your brain can betray you yeah. and just turn on you and then you're just done for like you're gone uh, and you can try to like get it back. But I, that's to me always the, the most. And when I'm working with someone with mental illness, I always try to think of like how horrifying it must be to have your brain turn on you. Um, and so I, I think my dad kind of did realize that it must have on some level for sure. Right. Especially in that phase, I think in between from what I know of schizophrenia in between when you're fully gone, oh, God. but just when you start losing it, but you're aware that things are not right. Yeah. Um, did you ever worry you were going crazy? No, I mean, not in my twenties. I feel like I had a pretty good sense of, I, I had a pretty good sense of like where I, I felt pretty grounded. Like I would have times where I'd feel sad or whatever, but I, uh, my sister and I both are so well aware of the fact that there's a lot of mental illness in our family that we would be really like just checking with each other. Like, how, like I know it sounds cheesy, but like, all right, how's everything going with you? How are you feeling? How, are, like, how obsessive are your thoughts these days? Like, <laughs> so we're both we're all kind of prone to obsessive thinking, but obsessive thinking can be a really good thing. You just have to like know you have to like understand that there are parts of your brain that are working against you and be like, okay, shut up. You got you part that's uh, working against me. Shut up, shut up. And so in a lot of ways, I think having hating myself so much as a teenager really helped when I got to my 20s because I could be like, oh, that's the part of me that doesn't like me. I got to just not listen to that so much. Mm -hmm. uh, and so when I would have like obsessive thoughts or when I'd have anything that I would like in my head could be construed as like this might be part of like something bigger and worse. I could be like, eh, no, that's not me. It's fine. It's fine. Um, which has helped a great deal, really. Do you still battle with obsessive thoughts? Oh, constantly. What yeah. kind of stuff? I do too. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, like we were talking about earlier with like thinking that the oven's on or like thinking like, <laughs> right. like, uh, the, and those are some such classic. It's like, so like, it's a very classic cheesy one. But uh, yeah, I, when, when I am up for a job and I don't get it, uh, just having to like, well, that's because everyone knows you're a fraud and you're definitely a fraud and everyone's going to figure it out and everyone already knows. Like it's like this, just this constant. Yes. Yeah. Fraud is where my head goes too. And is it's that, amazing. is that class, the classic one that I think it's definitely classic people for feel? ladies, unfortunately, because when I talk to, and like I've talked to Kamal about it and he's like, no, I don't ever really, and maybe he's unusual too, but I, I feel like I run into more women that feel that way. Although there are plenty of men that feel that way for those of you listening. Yes. Mm -hmm. I know you feel like a fraud too. Um, but I, I feel like it's kind of a lady thing of like still feeling like we haven't earned our place even though we know we have uh there's just still this like oh well maybe i haven't maybe i'm not as good as i thought i was at anything um so those are the yeah it's mostly that i would say when did you so when when and during all this did you meet kumail and start going out with him i met kumail uh i was in chicago and i was working at the suicide place <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yeah, I was working at the suicide place and when I met him, I wasn't sick in the slightest. Like I wasn't, there's was none of that happening. Uh, and we had been dating about eight months when I got sick and then I moved. It was right before I got sick that I started working at the house uh, of schizophrenics. That's a terrible way to put that. Uh, the house I want that people. to be the name of what, like, the International House of Schizophrenia. I don't even like, I like, it's better to say people with schizophrenia than schizophrenia. Like, I, I know all that, but it's still, you've got to use shorthand sometimes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've been, I, that was when I, I'd moved to Chicago and I'd been there for about a year uh, when I met him. Remind me how you guys met? Uh, I heckled him at a comedy show. <laughs> It's real cheesy. <laughs> and it wasn't like a bad heckle. I just was like trying to participate in the show. And then uh, he kind of called me out on it. And then we ended up uh, having friends in common. So, And whose <clears throat> pa his parents were against the marriage? His parents were against him marrying anyone that they didn't pick. 
mm-hmm. at first. Right. That they, and not even against as much as like, well, this is how it's always done. So this is how we're going to do it. Uh, they were sending him pictures of people like uh, potential wives for him. And uh, yeah, so part of, of us dating was really hard for him because it, any serious relationship would mean he'd have to confront all that stuff, which he did. How was that experience for you? I was asleep for it, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean knowing that you were dating someone who – That was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. That was really, really hard. And again, the obsessive thinking, I was constantly like – I would love to hang out with him. And hanging out with him was fun enough that I could forget the skipping head – I would always skip ahead. I'm always skipping ahead, like, two or three weeks at least. And I'd be like, well, this is super fun. But if he's never going to be able to tell his parents about us, this can't go anywhere. Like, it would just be this, like, ongoing, like, it was like an elephant in the room. Did you get the sense that that might be the situation? I mean, were mm-hmm. you feeling, yeah. yeah. Was he saying things to that effect? Like, Oh, this- yeah. He, he was like, I don't know how this could ever progress because I just, I, I don't know. This is, these are my parents and this is, like, a thing you can't possibly understand and it's on one hand it's what everyone wants to hear exactly well on one hand it's like stupid guy excuses that they're like you don't understand I'm complicated like shut up you're not that complicated <laughs> you've never been that complicated you just don't know how you feel about me it's fine but on the other hand uh, it, it is compl- it was a very complicated situation uh, and, but he just he had to make the call to do something about it and it turns out his parents were totally fine with it just that fear of the unknown I think was really really scary for him which I totally get didn't get as much then uh, but I definitely get now. Yeah. What were your relationships like before him? Uh, relationship? Oh, before Kamal? Yeah. Um, I tended to, <laughs> I tended to date uh, really, really lovely men who I could steamroll. Yeah, it would either be that, or I would date men who kind of were very controlling and like just terrible, like your garden variety shitty boyfriends. Uh, but the long term relationships were usually with guys that I could kind of just steamroll completely and like be the one in control and kind of just eh, you do whatever. You'll just sit over here until I call for you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> those were most of my relationships, I would say. Um, which those can be very successful. <laughs> they weren't so much for me. Like they seem successful, but they weren't. Like I wasn't being challenged. I wasn't like. It's it's very. I think easy. it's hard for the <clears throat> woman to be into that kind of relationship. Yeah, I think. I, well, it depends. I mean, I actually I know some relationships that I would say are somewhat like that, and it works for the. It two works of for them. them. Yeah, but well, I know. Like for me in that situation, I think that I would probably begin to lose interest. If and I that, felt it's not that that didn't happen yeah. for sure, and then I would get resentful that I had lost interest because I thought somehow it was his fault. But really, it was like, <laughs> yes, why is he not holding my interest? <laughs> right? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was a really it was a nasty pattern that I kind of didn't get. I wasn't sure of for a very long time, and then Kamal actually really helped me because he I can't steamroll that guy. Like he's very strong willed, and that always kind of freaked me out at first uh, to have a guy that's very very strong willed. But it turns out that's like exactly what I needed, which was great. Well, he said that. <clears throat> You kind of taught him a ton of stuff and taught him how to communicate. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's. I, I think that's. I could. I would say I would agree with that too. He definitely had a. Uh, <laughs> he definitely has a lot of stuff that he. He's incredibly smart, but there's a lot of stuff that like just very basics of putting together. Like, oh, if you're super anxious about this thing, you'll sometimes act like you'll think you're anxious about another thing because it's easier to to worry about. Just like really, really basic stuff like that. I wouldn't say – I think for him to say I taught him how to communicate is a little – that's being very nice to me. But he knew how to communicate. I may be putting words in his mouth. But I feel like that was definitely the gist. Well, that's very sweet of him to say, I guess. Yeah. It it was very sweet. Yeah. Okay. So you come out of the coma. Mm -hmm. uh, And then what? (laughs) Uh, With them – 
I would say within oh, – oh, I'll just tell it. that Within like a couple of months – I would say within two months of coming out of the coma – yeah, two months uh, – Camille and I decided to get married in secret. And then within five months, we decided to move to New York City together. The secret marriage was – did anyone go to it or was uh, it Yeah, really, our friends yeah. were there. Our best friends were there and our families were there, like our immediate families. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was it. And to say best friends, the, the people – we told a few people and who had been based, kind of involved in my hospital stay – because they kind of felt like we called it like the Fellowship of the Ring almost. <laughs> like they were like, oh, you guys are here. Like you, they were there every single day. Like those are the people that we invited to the wedding. And it's not that we didn't have other close friends. Just they weren't mm-hmm. they weren't the Fellowship of the Ring basically. Um, so those were the people who came. And it was lovely. Did he talk about the secret wedding on when he was on this podcast? Yes. Gary no is saying idea. yes. Okay. Yeah, just checking. But- but he, I didn't I don't think that his detail. immediate family was there. Oh, yeah. No, they were there. I thought they threw you guys another wedding in. They did two weeks later. But they were. Oh, okay. So, like, the fir- that's actually a good point. The first, we had one ceremony uh, where just our friends were there and not our families, but they knew about it. And then two weeks later, we had with our friends and our immediate families uh, that his his parents threw. So we had two. And then we had a third one that was, like, our pretend one when we told people we got married. <laughs> how come – now, how come the um, – Two secret weddings. <laughs> the, I think part of it was that we had just been through so much uh, with me being sick and my life. Like I had people I barely knew asking me what my blood oxidation level was and like everyone knew everything. I felt very, very exposed. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, I don't want one more thing that everyone gets to know about. Like I just couldn't handle it. Um, and we were both – and if you look back on it, on paper, it seems like a terrible idea to get married a couple of months after you have like a brush with death. It seems like a really, really bad idea. And I think part of us was like we want to keep that from being like a thing where people are judging us about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were like – and it, I, I got to tell you, it was great to like have this thing that just belonged to us that everyone wasn't like, oh, newlyweds, and doing like finger guns. <laughs> I hate that. And I, I, I do it too. guns too. Yeah. Or do you mean you <clears throat> hate the oh, newlyweds thing? I hate both. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I do it to newlyweds when I when I know that someone has just gotten married, I, it was such a nice thing to have. Like this just is ours, and we get to make it whatever we want. And then later we'll present it to the world. But for right now, it's just ours. Mm-hmm. And that was that was really really helpful too, because I had actually been married before. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I um I had that's what moved me to Chicago. I was married when I was quite young. When I was like twenty three, I got married. And he's a lovely guy. We just. We literally were like, as we kind of grew up, we were like, well, no, I don't think this is working out. So we got very amicably divorced. And then... How old were you when you guys got divorced? 25, maybe 26. It was maybe finalized when I was 26, Mm -hmm. but we had been separated already for like a year. Um, And perfectly wonderful, nice divorce, the nicest you could have. But I'd already kind of learned that lesson of like being married and like, oh, it's such this great thing. And then like a couple years later, you're just having a regular ass divorce. <laughs> so it was nice. It was a good way to do it. Um, and then when did you guys move out here? And career-wise, what were you doing after after you stopped doing therapy? After I stopped doing therapy, I started freelance writing uh, very, very slowly. That takes a long time to build. And I started working at a comedy club in New York called Comics, which is no longer open. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know it was no longer open. Yeah. Though. It's been closed for like... I found out as we were out here looking in L.A. looking for apartments, I found out it was closing. So I was like, oh, good timing Um, (laughs) for me. uh, Yeah. So I was working there like doing just really basic promotion stuff and and freelance writing. What years were you there? Uh, In New York. Or at comics. Oh, at comics. I was there from. Cross paths. We probably did. Uh, Gosh, was it 2000? I think it was like 2008 to 2010. 2009 to 2010. Yes, then we probably did because I um, moved back. I was there from 2002 to 2000. 
late 2010. Yeah. I'm trying to think why or when I was at comics. Part of my job I was worked... to write all the press releases for okay. all the comics coming through. I worked a time out in New York. Oh, did you? Yeah. I worked in the uh, features. Well, first I worked in the music section and then I worked in the features section. You probably dealt with Jane Borden. Very much, yeah. 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 But um, I'm trying to think. I did that. Do you know that? Remember that New York New York's Funniest Reporter <laughs> show? I did that. <laughs> I, I won that. that my year, actually. Well, well, yeah. well. But, that, but I feel like there was something. Maybe I just went to comics to to watch. Maybe I just saw performances there. Yeah. I feel like I did something else there, though. But anyway. It's a lovely um, space. And they yeah. had that downstairs space, too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I think, yeah. Ochi's, I think it was called Ochi's Lounge. Mm-hmm. There's like five people who were like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> it felt, yeah, the thing about that underground space, it felt very underground. It like, literally I felt underground. there were sort of pipes on the, <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit, a little bit more basement than I would, yeah. than I enjoyed. It was weird when we first moved there, before I started working there, I would go to open mics with Kamel because we didn't have any money and had nothing else to do. And I would be like, I'm literally leaving the sunshine of like, the meatpacking district and like all of its glory <laughs> right. to like come down into a basement and watch comedy. Yeah. Uh, but it turned out to be a great experience. So I don't know. <laughs> Is, where did you guys live in New York? We lived in uh, Park Slope and then Bushwick in Brooklyn. Never lived in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I liked it there. And Bushwick was like literally as we were living there, we got a Thai restaurant on our street. And I was like, aha, it's <laughs> happening. Coming. And then it became East Williamsburg as we were there. Yeah. Um. Okay, so you were working at Con, mm-hmm. and and you were freelance writing for for like at that point it was I forget the website it was called Lemon Drop I think uh, and it was like an AOL website so I would just write whatever they needed me to write and then sometimes I would write essays about stuff I think my first piece was about maybe was about being sick I think um, yeah I can't remember and then I just started collecting other places to write for. Mm-hmm. Um, was it mostly online stuff? Yeah, all, all all online stuff. I've written for Bust Magazine and Jane Magazine. Um, but basically since then there's way, it's way more work to write online. I find, um, what did you write for Jane? I was actually just telling my fiance, I was, (laughs) do you know XO Jane? Yeah. I've written for them for a long time. Yeah. Okay. I haven't written for them in in maybe about eight months. Well, I noticed, so I know, um, I'm trying, I'm trying to figure out a way to both explain this story and make this make sense and be interesting (laughs) to the listeners. Um, tall order. Yeah. It's a really tall order. (laughs) Okay, you know Mandy Statmiller. Yeah, I do. Uh, who, by the way, and I'm not revealing anything because she wrote about it, the char- the Hope Davis character on Newsroom mm-hmm. based on her. And I know her because I worked at uh, at Page Six Magazine mm-hmm. when she was at New York Post as well. Um, so I noticed that – I think her name is Daisy Miller. The, the Yeah, she wrote an essay for XO Jane. Yes, mm-hmm. who's kind of at the center of that Maryland rape case. That, yeah, what is the city? I, mean, I can't remember I the city. I forget, but it is Maryland, Maryland. Right? It's definitely Maryland. This awful story of this this girl who was raped by this boy who's the boy's family is very powerful in the town He's like and a football even though, star. Yeah, yeah. And even though there's tons of evidence, including a cell phone video of the rape, um, and it seems like it should be like an open and shut case, the charges were dropped. Not only that, but he left her outside of her house in twenty degree yes. weather to freeze. Which so one of the charges that leveled against him was that uh, just endangerment for leaving her out there knowing that the she only was drunk charge, and passed I out. It's also been dropped. Yeah, that charge has also been dropped. So and even then, the, one, the house was burned down. And then after they left the house, the house burned down. I have no idea. We, we nobody knows if that's actually connected, but eh, probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, I, I was looking at XO Jane and I noticed that she wrote and it happened to me, mm-hmm. and I was like. Damn, I assume Mandy was the editor. I don't actually know, but I'm like, she's so good at reaching out to. Yeah, the, I don't to, know how they got that girl. Yeah, I, I know she, that was my reaction too. 
And then um, she's had like multiple apparently suicide attempts. She's been in and yeah. out of therapy. Like I hope, I hope her writing that is a sign of her kind of processing this. I don't even know how you process something like that. And then the idea that there's no justice for you. But it's a good. I hope it's a good lesson. in like maybe sometimes closure has to come in you, and it can't come in a court case, and it can't come from anybody else. It just has to be inside you because there's nothing else. Well, that's <clears throat> that's a, the the if I were in that because I worked. As a writer and editor for years, and if I were the if I were in the editor's shoes, I would feel like is there and I'm not saying there is, but I would feel like is there something slightly exploitative about me reaching out to this girl? I would feel yeah. even though I do I, I do agree with you that yeah. it is it can be an empowering thing for her to write it. But I was just thinking about I wonder if that's that kind of page six training um, that makes it so that you feel comfortable reaching out to people who are, who have gone through actual, like real serious traumas. Right. As opposed to celebrity journalism, where it's like, there's this infrastructure set up for you to get in touch with their Mm -hmm. publicist and blah, blah, blah. And again, I, I realize that sounds judgmental. I don't mean for it to, I just, that was something that I struggled with sometimes when I would be writing stuff that was more hard news is feeling like is, what is what is my justification for reaching out to this person other than entertainment for other people? Yeah, other know? than it's going to get a lot of page views. Like, right. That's a definitely a thing. And I think there are a lot of websites that they just reward how deep can you – like how confessional can you get? Yes. Like that's the <clears> – <throat> and I – <clears throat> I like that to an extent, but I also have a I have an issue with it when it seems like it's just being done for the sake of page views. Yeah, and and I feel like as a therapist, you're taught never disclose anything about yourself unless you feel like it's going to help the other person because everybody always like oh uh, that was so I happened to me once and then they just start talking about themselves like that doesn't it's not helping your client everything mm-hmm. should be in service of the client so when I write I still kind of feel that way like I'm not telling a story about myself unless I feel like it's going to help somebody else. Um, and it's hard to kind of when you're reaching out to someone like Daisy, it's hard to know like who is it helping. Yeah, yeah, I, I have a hard time with that too. I struggle with it a bit. So I was explain, I was trying to explain all this to Daniel, and none of it was making sense to him. And I was like, "Do you remember Sassy Magazine?" And he's like, "Yes." So then we went from Sassy, and I I just explained the whole like Sassy to Jane to XO Jane, mm-hmm. etc. Um, that Quite all, a progression. Yeah. yeah. So that all looped around to, so what kind of stuff did you write for XO Jane? <laughs> <laughs> or no, for Jane. Sorry, for both. Um, I, for Jane, I wrote uh, just random, there were random little columns where they'd be like, ask a New Yorker, ask us something. And I would just, because I had a friend who uh, was on the staff, which is how I got involved. And then I also wrote, uh, I wrote a, a, it happened to me uh, under a pseudonym mm-hmm. uh, there that I um, was many, many years ago. And then uh, for Bust Magazine, I also, I wrote uh Erotica. They have an erotica that one-handed yes, reads. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, so that I wrote that for them. And then from then on, I just was like, oh, I'm just going to write online stuff. Yeah. It's way easier. And now who do you write for? Right now I'm writing for, um, let's see, I write for TV.com. I write for Rookie. That's the main one I write for now. And I write for um, Elizabeth Banks's blog, which I don't know how that even happened, but it's super fun. That's cool. <laughs> I'm going to have to go check that out. Yeah. Rookie Magazine, I have this sort of... I have a an awareness of it, yeah. And I know Tavi, Tavi is that mm-hmm. her name? Tavi Gevinson. What's our the deal? Lord and Savior? She um, and I knew about her before the magazine. She is a now seventeen year old ingenue, 
that's the only way to describe her really. She started going to fashion shows uh, because she has this this like fashion blog that she's been doing since she was 14 and it's amazing. It's always been amazing. So they started flying her out to go to fashion shows and then it'd be like, who is this 14-year-old child <laughs> in the front row of like Lagerfeld? Uh, and then slowly over time, she's now kind of dropping the fashion thing is more about like uh, uh, female empowerment and feminism and, and learning about things and kind of opening and creativity. And so she started this website, I think two years ago. Yeah, two years ago uh, that I've been writing for since uh, since it started. And uh, they hired me to write their like video game stuff. But then now I just kind of write all kinds of stuff for them. And Jane Pratt was involved at the beginning. Not at all. Not She's at never all. been involved. Why did I think... Why did I think she had some involvement? It was always like, it's Hello Giggles. Uh, it's Hello Giggles. It's uh, Rookie and it's Exo Jane are like the three kind of main. Uh, but no, no, there's no okay. crossover. I thought I, I, I must Unless have I'm wrong, which is possible. I, must have, I thought for some reason it was like Jane is founding this website with this teenager that she selected who's oh, super. No. But yeah, Tavi. And then it's all Tavi. Okay. It's all Tavi. Tavi, I'm sorry. It's Tavi <laughs> and uh, it's Ira Glass's wife, Anna Heed. Oh, also, okay. Yeah, which she's amazing. Uh, and she's kind of the other. She's been there since the beginning, too. So, And they're great. Like, getting to exchange emails with Tavi is like, she's she's so eloquent. It makes you sick. She's 17. I know. I follow her yeah. on uh, on Twitter and Instagram. And then, yeah, I'm just always like, how? 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 That's my reaction. When? How? how? How did this happen? How? When yeah. did this start? Why are you so gorgeous also? <laughs> <laughs> she's like stunning she's 17 she is and stunning and yeah. she, who, does she style herself yeah she must oh she's not gonna let anybody else do that yeah and still is in illinois god bless <laughs> it's amazing it's amazing when she, you talk to her is it like talking <clears throat> to a tiny total adult a little bit yeah but there would be when i when i started i actually f- somehow didn't connect that tavi was that tavi even though who else is named tavi so for a while <laughs> when the emails i wouldn't i would take a while to get a response back from her and i'd be like Oh, God, I should have. I, by the business day, I haven't gotten this email back from this person, Tavi. She was at school. I just didn't realize. <laughs> That's so idiot. So once I realized that, I was like, oh, I see. But <laughs> otherwise, you'd have no sense that you're talking to. She's got a, a lot of, um, not rambly, but she likes, she's very, uh, she pontificates. You've got a lot of flowery language that you don't see in adults. Mm-hmm. I wish we saw more of it in adults. Uh, but nothing about her makes you think you're talking to a, a teenager at oh, all. That's sweet. That's yeah. funny. Actually, when I used to send emails, the beginning and i wonder how much this is age or how much this is just email email uh, culture has evolved but my emails were like dear so-and-so and then it really was like a letter versus yeah. now where it's just like thx yeah just get, get here's the information you need get out of my yeah. face i have to send that yeah I, I i'm not very flowery with my email and i have friends that will write me emails that are very flowery and i love them i cherish them but i don't always have time to write that flowery of an email back and i do the thing where i take forever to write back because i feel like i can't respond to your um, wonderful message right until I have the time yes because I, I can't send just a couple lines I know. so then I, I feel like the beginning of all my longer emails is sorry it took me so long to get <laughs> right? back to you I feel bad about that I, will I just don't know when there's this it's yeah. just it's like there's all these it feel I mean really what the hell are any of us doing but it feels like <laughs> I gotta put out all these fires yeah I gotta do all this shit so I don't have time to like do the real things yeah. and then you're like what are the real things if this is what I'm doing with my time what are these real things I know aren't these the real things like yeah that that part I'll sometimes send an email when I get a really long email I'll send an email back that goes uh 
these are all the things I want to talk to you about in the email I'm going to send you later. And then I'll just list like oh, the things the my teaser. cat's been doing, <laughs> uh, my thoughts on abortion, like whatever it is, and then just send that so they at least know I'm thinking about it, uh-huh. even if I don't actually ever send the actual email. Oh, wait. I th- <laughs> Yes, I've done that before. Yeah. I haven't actually listed it, but I've said like... I, you know, totally owe you an email yeah. about, blah, 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 or, you know, it's like, let's, I'll be like, let's talk about these things. And then I just <laughs> talk about them there. Yeah, exactly. Communication. It's so, yeah, I, going back to what you're saying before about like, what are the real things and what are the things that we're actually doing? I had this uncomfortable realization or epiphany yesterday, not yesterday. It was within the last couple of weeks. I was remembering this band that I interviewed that had this album called like seconds, minutes, hours. Something like that. What band was it? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, they they were called Crumb, and their name actually. Do you know who Matt Nathanson is? No, I don't. Okay, he's a musician um, who I went to. I went to Pomona College, which was one of the Claremont colleges, and he went to another college, and I knew him in college, and he came in here to the Adam Carolla show recently. He's also on my podcast a long time ago. Um, but we were talking about this other band that we knew from that time, Crumb. And anyway, a couple, sometime after that, I interviewed them for the OC Weekly, where I was working at the time. They had an album, uh, minutes, second, seconds, hours, hours, seconds, minutes, whatever, some units of time. And when I was talking to the singer about what that was a reference to, he was saying that really when you think about it, that's all life is. It's just a series of moments. Ooh. And it was kind of profound at the time. Yeah. And then I forgot about it for many years sure. until I'm standing there. I don't know what I was. I don't know. I was standing in front of my dresser. I don't know what I was doing. And all of a sudden it popped into my head and I started thinking about how true that is, how you experience your life just as a series of moments. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm making the wrong decisions. Like maybe my decision should be, yes, I'm going to go hang out with that friend that I haven't seen in a while, as opposed to I'm going to try to get more work done or yeah. whatever it is I'm doing. Yeah. Because at the end of all the Anything, days, yeah. like I spent my time <clears throat> sitting in front of the computer doing nothing as opposed to these things that I always feel like I don't have time, the time to do that. But then when I see, when I hang out with someone, like this is exactly what I needed. Yes, what am I doing? Connecting yeah. with human beings, yeah. which yeah. feels like there's no time for, is actually something that is so meaningful and important. Yeah, I, I definitely, my, my big thing is always like, don't just keep your head down through this because this is. Like I've, I, I had a for a long time in my life, I was like, I just keep my head down and I'll get through this, and then blah blah blah, and I'll this be okay. Being tough times. This being life, like oh, it turns yeah. out, like it's like, yes. what am I doing? Like I can't. If I'm not happy, if I'm not satisfied with how things are going in my job or in my relationship, what am I? What am I waiting for? Like what on earth do I think is going to change that will make this better? Mm-hmm. And if nothing's going to change, I can't just keep my head down. This is all I got. Like I gotta get. You have to do something. That you I, you have to just look up every single day and be like, oh, this is where I am. Like whatever, you, like you have to have something you're doing every day that reminds you that where you are and how you are and who you are. Because otherwise, like, like there's no point to it. There's no point at all. Yeah, I have one of my least favorite experiences of myself is me early in the morning <laughs> when I'm thinking, okay, I just have to be up for 12 hours and then I can go back to sleep or whatever. Oh, yeah. you know, I just have yeah. to get through this day. Yeah. In fact, the morning that we flew to Portland, I was up early in the morning in the shower thinking, okay, I just have to take a shower, to get dressed, to pack myself. Yeah, I'm like have making lists. I yeah. have, to, have to do the shows, have and to come then. back, have to take off my makeup, and then I go, can go back to sleep. Yeah. Like, and then was, my life can continue. Yeah. Your life is sleeping then? What's <laughs> happening? Yeah. I think I was just really overtired. But in general, I do, I do 
look at stuff like there, it's, I spend too much of my time thinking just have to get through this. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And I, so I, I mean, that happened. We we were just in Seattle and Portland. We did. I set up a series of shows uh, with Joan and Kamel, the hosts of the Meltdown, as we're kind of like getting ready for which that the TV show is starting. Yeah, very well, soon, it's right? going to be starting. Uh, we're going to start filming in February of next year. So these shows are like just getting them on the road and doing stuff together. That's not at our actual show to kind of get practice. So like the one day that we were driving from Portland to Seattle, just like you, and I was like, I woke up and I was like, oh, just gotta get through, gotta get through this drive, gotta get. And I was like, what am I doing? This is like a road trip. Yeah, this is fun. So we stopped four times on the like the two and a half <gasps> My hour period trip. And I I should have been with you guys. <laughs> we really, really should have been. The uh, yeah, we stopped at like a, a, a town where they filmed Twilight and took our pictures. Like with <gasps> was stuff. it like, Forks? I don't. Everyone asked that, and it wasn't. It, it started with an H. I don't know. We took a picture of it. Uh, I don't know Twilight that well, but it was funny. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that I have to like. You have to remember to enjoy the things. Like you have to find something every day that you can get some enjoyment out of. Or else, like, what are we doing? What's the point? Uh, do you guys do date night? Yes and no. We kind of will pick nights that we um, will like we'll go out to dinner and stuff. We also like play video games together a lot. Like we do a lot of stuff that could be construed as like a like spending quality time together kind of a thing. Um, we do a yeah. So we'll we'll do date nights. I'll say. Yeah, I was thinking recently about I was remembering what it was like when Daniel and I first started dating versus now where we live together and we have a puppy that may as well be a baby. May as well. And although I'm I really. I, I love it and I really do enjoy living with him. There's not that – I was just remembering that excitement of driving over to his place yeah. after I would leave the podcast. Yeah. And how the whole point was – it wasn't coming home to relax mm-hmm. and was going to see him. Yeah. yeah. It was – I can't – it was spending – you know, actually – Talking and hanging yeah. out and all that, finding energy to have sex when, like, now it's uh, like, oh, I'm so tired. When I, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it, yeah. We there's a thing. I feel like when you've been with someone for a long time, this is so cheesy. You forget to like really process their face. Like you forget to look at their face yeah. and like be like, this is the face of the person. Like they just become this entity to you that you know really well that you love, but they're not. It's not the same as like when you are with someone drinking in new and you're like look at how your face moves and how your eyes crinkle up and look so we like that's the thing that camille and i would do if we're both stressed out and it's half sarcastic but half really like let's well let's just really look at each other's faces right now let's just do this and let's remember each other's faces and it it never it never fails for me at least to, to like be like oh yeah this is the guy that i couldn't stop laughing and his text would make me laugh so hard like that i would rush home to just hang out with him yeah that's how i remind myself of that guy and he's there every day i get he's there every day it's so awesome (laughs) and i just have to remind myself that he's not just this guy that i like live with he's like this guy that i was so excited this guy that you're lucky enough to share your life with that's that's really sweet unfortunately he and i are both super into candy crush right now (laughs) so we don't have time to look at each other's faces i can't even play that game because i know it's going to be really bad for me so i can't i i've like i I refuse i never played angry birds and i won't play that I just know certain things. I'm like, hey, it's going to be real bad for me. Mm-hmm. Real bad. So yeah, bad. because I recently broke the seal of doing the in-app purchases. And I mean, I'm probably at a total of like $3 or something. But so you think. <laughs> well, yeah. I check back in with me in a week when yeah. it's like I have I had to sell an organ or something. <laughs> I don't even know if you can sell organs. The good old days of organ selling are over. It's true. You worked at G4? I did, very briefly. What did you do there? I There was a... Um, show called Feedback, which is basically like a filmed podcast uh, about video games. And I started off as a writer on that show 
and I didn't. Re- I would sit in the corner and like make notes of stuff, and I didn't realize I was on camera for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so that was embarrassing to know later. Like, what is that weird girl doing in the corner? Why is her hair so terrible? Because I didn't know. And then uh, eventually, I was moved to where I was. I was a guest on the show, and then the show got canceled. Kind of, it was in the process of G Four shutting down, mm-hmm. uh, and we just we were one of the first to go. Who hosted <clears> that show? It was Adam, uh, not Adam Carolla. Yeah. It was Adam Sessler, and uh, it would be a rotating panel other than Adam Sessler, basically. Would you like to do some Just Me or Everyone? Sure, that let's do it. That is a segment we do. Yes. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? All right. Vanessa says, I hate when my hair smells like the restaurant or bar I just left. Yeah, me too. Hate it. Hate it. My hair sucks up smell and Mm -hmm. I fucking hate it. The currently I'm having an issue with there's something that doesn't smell good, but it's very faint in my closet. Oh no, that's the worst. I it's kind of it's beginning to drive me a little bit insane yeah, because I'm like, crazy. is it there? Is it not there? Is it there? Is it not there? And I'm pretty sure it's there because how frequently do you think you smell something that doesn't smell good? But never, right? But I don't. I'm like, is it an item of clothing? Did the dog go to the bathroom in here? Is there something dead? What is going on? Yeah, I would have to clear out that closet immediately. That would make me. Do you ever have friends and you go to their house and their house stinks and you're like, don't you? Do you not know? Yeah. What? I think they don't know. And then I'm always scared that my house stinks. So I'm like, oh, we'll leave my house and come back when I have people coming over. Like, I just, uh, yeah. I'm I sometimes just ask people. Yeah. Is there a weird, but what if they're not honest? Yeah. That's it's why like asking to... if your house has bad breath. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. There's no lozenge. Hey Boo says, I flush even when I don't use the toilet in a public restroom so people don't think I just left a turd or something. Wait. I, oh, so why are you in the restroom? Oh, just oh, right. So they don't think he. I I took left deterred to be a euphemism for going to the bathroom. Yeah, me too. Uh, oh, so but like that, right, but okay. they don't think he just left one in there. But if they go in the bathroom after him, they would see that he didn't. Correct. Either way, yeah. I guess I'm gonna say just him on this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah I guess I don't do that. Yeah. Um. Wait. Do you ever have this where you flush the bathroom, flush the toilet? <laughs> Flush the whole bathroom. You flush the toilet and then you have to blow your nose or like for whatever reason there's more tissue happening and then you try to get it in before it goes down but then it does it and then you have to do the double flush and and then that's suspicious. Now people think I've really taken a huge dump in here. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's happened to me. Chamuco says, just me or everyone, if my toothbrush looks like it's cuddling or kissing a family member's toothbrush. Oh, yeah. I separate them immediately. Yes. Really? I don't. Yeah. I don't like them to touch. I have not even ever really thought about this. Really? Yeah, because we have the two stands, like the little uh, we, Sonicare. We've got yeah, we've got money. We've got <laughs> we've got Sonicare. Yeah, so they don't ever touch. They're never next to each other. Right. Well, yeah, we do too. I don't think it would bother me though. To get maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. It's also like if you it's if I'm I kiss you and I take parts of you into my mouth. Uh, <laughs> why? <laughs> Why would I be weirded out by your toothbrush? Yeah, no, yeah. there is a lot of a lot of um, that's a sound thought. Yeah, and I don't know the answer, yeah, but no. I still would be a little bit okay. That's fair. Nate, all that hot self checkout. Oh, we were talking about self checking out at the store recently. All that hot self checkout talk got me thinking: Is it just me, or does everyone <laughs> race the other people? Well, I already said that I don't like to use a self checkout because I feel like it's just going to be a something's not working I need help waiting to happen uh, I use it constantly and I totally race people I, to- I and I pride myself I'm like oh I'm gonna totally nail you if I see an old person who's like halfway through an order I was like oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you and I do 
Do you uh, do you prefer self checkout? Yeah, I don't like to talk to people in public. <laughs> that so, makes sense, actually. Yeah, I would That's prefer smart. like that way. I'm like, I don't have to talk to anybody. It's great. But then it does backfire if something goes wrong. Then you have to talk to someone for sure. Yeah. yeah. See. Ugh. Yeah. And then you're holding people up, and then it's like, I don't know. But they mostly work. That's what I find. Maybe I maybe I need to. Get, yeah, get, get all up in that. Um, I was at the grocery store recently, and I thought about this show in our self-checkout talk because there was an announcement due to recent changes in the law. You cannot purchase alcohol from the self-checkout. They just, I thought they'd just come over and like look at your ID. No. They kept making announcements recently that, that you can't. Something went wrong. Something went hilarious wrong. That you're right. Yeah. Uh, Don P says, when I see the NYFW hashtag, which is New York Fashion Week, I initially read it as the NSFW hashtag, not safe for work. Um, sure. I, I think could. so. Yeah. Yeah. I would do that. Melissa says, on voting day, always choose the Yo Vote sticker over the I Voted. Just sounds more fun. <laughs> I have not done that, but I will start. Yeah, me too. Yeah. The one I, I got this year had every language on it. Ooh. Show yeah, off. Yeah. Will Global says it weirds me out when the toilet seat in a public restroom is a complete oval <laughs> instead of the horseshoe i never thought about that but now that you say that yes because the f- complete oval is for is home for home exactly yeah. exactly you can't take that outside i think you might be right that is weird i haven't and but yeah. i don't see that very often either no yeah. but i feel like certain restaurants sometimes you'll walk into a restaurant public restroom and it's clearly set up to feel like a home and that's a little bit a little bit jarring <laughs> when they have like towels like bath towels you're like no one's yeah. taking a bath here right yeah i also don't like all the creative new sinks that they try to push on us i hate yeah. them when it's like just like water being pushed over a cliff very right. quietly yeah i've never There's been rocks involved i was reading a description of a hotel recently that described the room as having two separate wash basins. I'm like, please, those are sinks. It has two sinks. A wash, basin. wash basin. Who are you? Um, unless it truly is a wash basin, in which case I feel like when you turn the water on, it's going to make a loud clattering sound. What is the difference? I don't know. Okay. I you knew it involved clattering. I think a, a true wash basin, I think, would be like a big metal tub thing. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, you, you, I picture an old uh, railroad coot taking a bath in it. Yeah. Scrubbing himself in it. I did, but I doubt that's what this, you know, oh, lavish sure. hotel really has. Yeah. So I don't like it. I just like picturing that image. Well, now, have we discussed what, why some toilets have ovals and some have horseshoes? No. Do you know, Gary? I mean, not today. Uh, there's been discussion of it on a different show. It's... My show or Adam's show? I'm sorry. They all bleed together. I really really don't know. No special snowflakes here. Uh, (laughs) Oh, come on. That's not fair. I don't remember. There's a lot of hot pee talk around here. Uh, It's because I've heard that it's for guys that are too lazy to lift the lid so that Oh, so there's less splash. So there's less less dribbling on the seat because potentially you're threading the needle down the middle. That makes sense. It also seems like less of a – it's less heavy maybe <laughs> for it's really, lighter. really weak yeah. men who, who need it. Tracy Vaughn says, whenever my husband has a cocktail and I just have iced tea, I assume everyone thinks I'm pregnant. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because <clears throat> I, don't, I don't drink so I'm always asking for a Diet Coke and I feel like people assume that that's what's going on yep. and that's not what's going on. I get the, uh, excited, the excited faces from friends when we're at a bar and I order for other people and then I just order – and I drink sometimes but like when I order like a Sprite for myself or whatever and like, huh? Huh? Like, uh, come on. Yeah. I know I'm of that age but come on. Actually, I was telling my mom the <laughs> to bring it all back and <laughs> saying that I, I hope I don't get my period 
uh, she knew that I was worried I was going to have like I was very concerned this about having Portland, my Seattle period yeah. on the in the van ride from Portland to Seattle with Adam Carolla and six other dudes. I felt like that was just not going to be a, a fun time. <laughs> um, so she knew about that. So she said, "Did you get your period?" And I said, "Not yet." Fingers crossed. And she wrote back, "You mean because it would be a hassle?" And I was like, "Yes." Like I understood. I think, but I think she was like. Wait, wait, sh- should I? Should I get excited? Yeah. Am I ready? Yeah. Right. Oh, my. Um, and yeah, I was like, soon, but not yet. <laughs> All right. I've Travis- been saying that for many years. Go ahead. <laughs> Travis Corkery says, I hate watching them use phones in TV shows. They never wait long enough for someone to pick up before they start talking. Yes, and they never say goodbye. Never say goodbye. It makes me crazy. <laughs> that is my biggest pet peeve in TV shows. Yeah. Why don't yeah. they? I don't know. I don't know why. No phone conversation feels like a real conversation. Uh-uh. Also, they'll have like entire paragraphs will be spoken, but we don't. It's just like two seconds. And they hang up. And they're like, he just relayed all this information to me. No, he didn't. He certainly did not. Yeah. You're crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird that we just accept that convention. Yeah. Yeah. We've been fine with it for so long. But it, I get it. It's like a time thing. Do I really want to watch you be on the phone? Not really. Yeah. Not so much. I get it. I'll take it. On reality shows, they are always speaking on their Blackberries. For some reason, it's usually Blackberries on reality shows. And they always put it on speakerphone. <laughs> but the sound comes through pretty well. Yeah. And much better than I f- think it would really come through. And I'm wondering, are they... They're probably recreating those conversations. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, you're probably right about that. My parents also talk to me on speakerphone. Mine do too. Why? It's so infuriating if you ever want to talk to just one of them. Yes. You can't... Because they read each other's emails too. Because <laughs> they have one computer and it all... Yeah, goes through the same. It's same just thing. the same spigot. Mm-hmm. There's no. They are one one, one human unit. being at it's this true. point. It's yeah. so. It's frustrating. It's also frustrating for me because they just yell like yeah. when they're on like, and so they barely hear me, and then they're both just yelling at the same time. I'm like, why? Why are we doing it this way? Why do they do that? I don't know. I started facetiming with them just to like get that from happening, and then the, it's just like just seeing the <laughs> ceiling above them. <laughs> I never see them. <laughs> I never get to see them. Just That's smart. Feeling. Maybe yeah. I should. Well, my dad would have no idea how to FaceTime. It's amazingly they'll they catch on really quick. Parents yeah. in general. Yeah. FaceTime's it's pretty easy. Your dad could answer a FaceTime call. Yeah. yeah, he could. He wouldn't initiate it maybe, but it's not hard to answer. Right. Here's the thing you have to be worried about with FaceTime calls is that if I FaceTime my parents and then they catch it on their on their cell phone and not on the iPad, when they see iPad missed call later, they think that I just tried to FaceTime oh. them and will call me at six in the morning, <laughs> and panicked because they think that I've just called them at six in the morning with and like which, something bad happening. Yeah. And then they just woke me up and then it's terrible. Oh, all my phone calls with my family begin. Everything's okay. Yeah. <laughs> with, and them to us. Yeah. Just because they're, well, I guess the same with you because there have been, you know, family health emergencies in the past. Yeah. So now when anyone gets a call, it's like, until you say everything's okay, we're like, what's, well, what's who's happening? having a heart attack what's right happening? now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Always heart attacks. Yeah, it's uh it's fun. Well, this has been fun. <laughs> this is a, a really awkward segue, but it's been delightful having you on the show. Thank you so, so, so Thanks much. Thanks for having me. It's been great. So if people want to find you and listen to you, put up, throw out all your plugs. I have all the things. Uh, I'm at uh, on Twitter at the Ginomite, which is not the Ginomite, <laughs> T-H-E-G-Y-N-O-M-I-T-E. And um, I'm at emilyvgordon at tum- dot tumblr dot com. And What's the V? Uh, Vance, it's just uh, there's another Emily Gordon, so mm-hmm. I needed something. Uh, and uh, I'm my podcast is called The Indoor Kids, and you can listen to it on the Nerdist Network. Comes out every Monday. And let's see, I feel like 
well, you just gave all your plugs, and now I'm like, but isn't there more? But that's totally <laughs> perfectly enough. Um, Are you involved in the the Meltdown Show TV show? Absolutely, thing we'll I'm a I'm a, I'm an EP on it, and uh, I run the show every single Wednesday. So if you're in LA, you can come to Meltdown Comics slash Nerd Melt every Wednesday night, and we do a stand up show called The Meltdown with Joan and Kumail, which will be coming to a television New Year sometime next year. Easily one of the best shows in LA. Oh, thank you so much. Absolutely, it's very nice of you to say. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Allison Rosen. The show's Twitter feed is at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. You can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. You can email us, A-R-I-Y-N-B-F, at AdamCarolla.com. And if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything, why not click through the banner on my website at AllisonRosen.com. It doesn't uh, cost you anything extra, but it does help the show. Also, we have a ringtone available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Based on the segment of the same name, you need this. This is the best way to receive a call or a text, or you could wake up to this. You can just play it for your friends. Really, it's whatever. You can make with it what you want. Um, and you can get that by searching Hey, Go Fuck Yourself on your iPhone in the iTunes store. Okay, Gary, am I forgetting anything? I don't think I am. Thank you again so much, Emily. Thank you. Um, and thank you for listening. I love you guys. Bye. Hey, do you know? and rose and show Visit LegalZoom.com to save on your legal needs like wills for $69, LLCs for $99 plus filing fees, and also get access to a network of legal plan attorneys for guidance. LegalZoom is not a law firm but provides self-help services at your specific direction. Enter discount code ALLISON for more savings at LegalZoom.com. That's discount code ALLISON.